0: Start the launch sequence. Five, eight, eight. Countdown for this Are your kids ready for life after school? One, two, Let's get them ready. Hello and welcome back to the launch sequence where we endeavor to help you the parents of the teenager late teen or early 20 something to rid themselves of the idea that their permanent place of residence is your living room couch. No, actually, I'm here to help your kids kickstart their lives by giving them the keys to launching their careers. Bill Priestley here with you hope things are well in your world wherever you may be. And if you've been following the podcast, and if you haven't, I suggest you go back and listen from Episode 1 because that's where it all starts. We try to tackle this question of helping students decide what they want to do with their lives. And all this is basically cumulative building upon past episodes. So if you haven't checked out Episodes 1 and 2, go back and do that. But if you've been following, you know that we've been talking about that question, What Do You Want? And Episode 2 was about specific times you need to be asking that question. But the more important lesson was that it needs to be asked enough that your child has some level of familiarity with it and isn't blindsided by it when they have to make a decision about life after school. Today, what I want to get into is something of a discussion on perspectives, because for you and your child, you come from two different perspectives and possibly the two most different perspectives humanity has ever seen between a parent and a child. This is an important subject, and it's one that you need to be aware of. Let me start you out here with a bit of an analogy. Not far from where I grew up is a place called Falls Mill. It's in Belvedere, Tennessee. Old-fashioned mill that functions to make ground flour as well as pancake mix, But it's also a really cool example of 19th century engineering. It's also a great place to take the kids in the summer where they can play in the creek. And there are lots of spots for a nice picnic lunch. Very quiet, out of the way, and also very picturesque. It's a great spot to get a family photo. The main visual that I think everyone gets when they see this place is the 32-foot water wheel turned by the water that is rerouted from the creek over the wheel. It catches your ride not only because of its size, but also because of the speed at which it turns. It's very slow. My family used to go there when I was a child, and I was last there a few years ago and took my older daughter there when she was two years old. I remember looking at that wheel and how slow it was going, and it reminded me then, and still does now, of the cycle of life how the spines of the wheel appear after being momentarily submerged in the creek and then move slowly to the top of the wheel, reaching its zenith there, and then falling on the other side back before slowly going underwater once again. At the time I took my daughter to see the mill, my father was not well. He could not walk, he needed assistance to eat, and he could barely talk, which aggravated him greatly. I saw that water wheel as a representation of how we can't stop time. The water keeps flowing, and eventually, we'll all, at one point or another, go back underneath the surface of the water. Surely, he was on the downside of that trip. Turns out, he was much closer to the end than I had thought. I say that not to be morbid or to make you think of the shortness of this thing we call life, but to remind you that we're all on this water wheel, and we're all on it at different points, some going up, learning about the world, others going down, relishing our moments when we have them. When we talk about having this conversation with our kids about what they want out of life, we must remember that they are far behind us on the water wheel. They're not next to us or even close to us. When I was in college, before Y2K, I remember thinking to myself that it would be a good accomplishment if I made it to the year 2050. To be able to come out of that analog world and see 50 years into the new millennia, that would be a good life goal. I'd be 75 years old in 2050, so it's not out of the question. By contrast, I have a daughter that if she lives to 80, she'll see the year 2100. Yes, there is a great age difference there, but just think of that for a second. To see 2100. Kids born in 2010 have an outside chance of doing the same thing. Those of us born in the 1980s or 90s Really can't see life much past 2075. The difference between when I grew up in the late 70s and early 80s is absolutely massive. I remember rabbit ears. My daughter will never see a compact disc player. Libraries had things like encyclopedias. My daughters have the internet that not only stores data, but you can talk to it, and it talks back. The analog became digital. Instant gratification is almost the norm where we had to wait weeks, if not months, for a package to come in the mail... And the playgrounds of the world became the playgrounds of the internet. And that's just within my lifetime. The point here is that as human events go, your children will see things and deal with things you can't even fathom. Not only that, but they can see things and perceive things about their world that you can't even conceive of, mostly because you're not going to be here when they happen, or you don't care, or you'd rather do it the old-fashioned way and don't have time to change. They will adapt, just as you did when you saw change coming your way, and they will anticipate future change better than you will. My senior year of college, I made a pitch to my father to get a new computer. The internet was starting to come of age, and that was intriguing, but I also had a love for video editing. That's really why I wanted the computer. Video editing at the time was an expensive proposition. There was no YouTube at the time, and really only video editing professionals at production houses had that kind of technology. So this was a pretty large ask. In checking out my reasons for getting the computer, my dad asked all the right questions. Then he hit me for one that I wasn't ready for. He asked... How are you going to write papers for college? He saw the computer as something that was meant to do one task, and that's it. As a college professor himself, that was the reason you got a computer, to write papers, to present research, because it was the next evolution from the typewriter, and the typewriter was sufficient to write not only papers, but an entire book, as he had already done twice already in his career. And if you had a computer to edit video, Surely there was no way you could write papers on it as well. His perception of the computer was based on his own experience of using a typewriter, a tool used for one purpose. And that is how he formed his opinion about the computer I wanted. And I didn't get it. You see, you as an adult have built up a lifetime of experiences. Some good, some bad. Some of your assumptions are correct. Others miss wildly. Don't worry. It happens to everybody. You know areas of life that you will protect your kids from experiencing, and you will expose your kids to areas of life you think are beneficial. And when it comes to the idea of picking a career path, your outlook on this subject is much like looking out on a mountain range, with each peak being the culmination of a career. Some peaks are hard to climb, some are easy, some are short, some are very long, some have pitfalls at every turn, some have none, some have peaks that are above the clouds, too tall to see. Some are molehills in comparison. All of them are different. Now, I want to take you through two different extreme scenarios here in terms of how you deal with your kids on this question of career. The first is if you did nothing at all to prepare your kids for this decision. What do you think their perspective of the world of work would be? If they were not exposed to any career options, You'd almost have to say their perspective would be that of a person on an island beach looking out on the horizon of a calm ocean. In each direction, in 360 degrees, would be a different career path. But none of them show difficulty or length. They would simply point the boat in the direction they wanted to go and start rowing. Time passes, and in certain directions they might hit swelling seas. Some might hit weather. Some might encounter beasts of the deep unseen from the surface. All of this is to say that we don't want our kids to go into these decisions with very little or no knowledge. Now, we know that's almost impossible. Kids are exposed to a lot more career paths than we did when we were their age. But what we also need to recognize is that their perspective, their opinion of various career paths as it develops is different and possibly wildly different than ours. What we see as difficult, they might see as easy. What we see as long, they might see as short. What they see as dangerous, we might see as simple and easy and vice versa. But what else is different about their mountain range is that for them, our paths end before theirs. Therefore, they might see paths to peaks that we can't see because they have more life to be lived after we're retired, after we're gone. As I mentioned, I will likely not see the year 2060, yet my daughters have a chance to see 2100. What's important here to remember is that in order for them to be successful, they need to go after something they want to go after. And if we start imposing our perspective on the world on them, we might be forcing them to walk a path they really don't want to walk. We might be pushing them to a peak they think is too hard or too difficult or too easy We might be limiting their growth due to our inability to see past our own life expectancy and what's possible in their lifetime. We might be pressuring them to undertake a task that might be perfect for us or might have been perfect for us when it is in fact very imperfect for them. That's one of the main reasons the question, what do you want, is an incredibly powerful question, not just for those people answering it, but for the parents when they ask it. Is my child choosing something that I think is dangerous, let alone difficult? Are they putting themselves in harm's way? Are they doing something that I cannot help them do in any way because I don't have any experience in that industry? Are they naive to the world that they're attracted to, like that calm ocean with unseen obstacles and unpredictable environments? One thing I have heard from academics, bosses, and really good teachers is that oftentimes the best activity for us, be it a problem to solve or a job to do, is one that is just out of our reach that we have to stretch a little bit just to get it done. That's one of the most nebulous things about a child making a decision about a life path. We, as parents, don't know what's a slight stretch for them. Even more so, we don't know what's a slight stretch for them that they want to make. We know what they have been capable of from experience. We might know what they think is a dream for them that's not attainable. But we don't know what that challenging comfort zone is for them, where they will find work that is rewarding and sustaining, as well as interesting and fulfilling. We must remember as parents, as I remember my own father who died in 2022, that oftentimes when a parent leaves, the child is still stretching, trying to grow and reach that zenith for as long as they can. For them, the water wheel is still turning, with hopefully many moments coming before going back beneath the surface. That is time we can't control, nor should we. Ultimately, it's their decision. But what it comes down to for us is if we support it. As we move forward, there are obviously conflicts that can arise in the decision-making process between parent and child. You may very well not agree because your perspectives on the world of work are different, but that doesn't mean that there has to be an impasse. In our next episode, we'll cover how to come together and make a plan towards something that both you and your child can agree on. Thanks for joining us here on The Launch Sequence. Many more episodes to come here, so I hope you'll stick around. Send this to a friend or two and give us a review wherever you download your podcasts. Till then, Bill Priestley quoting John Lubbock, who once famously said, What we see depends mainly on what we look for. I'll see you next time. The Launch Sequence is the official podcast of The Dream Job Factory. For more information, check out our website at dreamjobfactory.com, where you can view all of the tools we have to help your child identify a life path. You can also sign up for our newsletter to get the latest podcasts and information in the career discernment space for young people. We also invite you to join our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Factory. This has been The Launch Sequence, giving your kids the keys to launch their careers.